Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you can hear my voice right now, uh, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is you are still kicking, baby. You are breathing. You are alive. The bad news is you are listening to the podcast known as Stradio Lab, the podcast that is a podcast about being about a podcast. George, anything to add to that? Or? I just want to send a sincere apologies <laughs> to all our listeners for everything we've ever said or done. <laughs> I think, you know, we've definitely made some mistakes in our time, um, and and today we're repenting for that. We are recording right after, and I, you know, <laughs> who's to say what, what order we release the episode, so this is not doxing anyone, and I won't say what their name is, <laughs> but we are recording after an episode in which our world was turned upside down in the parts of the episode that did not make it into the cut. I mean... We are talking people being kicked out of Zooms. We are talking computers overheating and then needing to be, I don't know, plugged in, not plugged in, unclear. We are talking about people getting notifications none of us had ever seen before. We are talking about computers getting a mind of their own. I mean, this is some smart house on Disney Channel uh, stuff. You know, we set out on this mission just to record our voices. When we started this podcast, that seemed like an easy ask. How hard can it be? And, you know, each time it actually turns out to be quite, quite hard. It's so everyone should have the right to record their own voice and then listen back to it. 
And yet it's still a privilege in so many ways. Yeah. And that's what we're fighting for. (laughs) Often there are people, I meet them and they say, I've never recorded my own voice. What am I, a narcissist? And I say, that's so sad. It's so sad that you don't have that option to to reflect on what you sound like with a special guest week after week. Sometimes I think, you know, there George, are George, I, I can't help but see the look on your face as if you're receiving a, a text. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> did you hear did, the are you you did you hear the sound on my from my computer? Uh no, I saw the worried look on your face. Yeah, well, my computer made a sound because it is, uh, in fact, my friend who I'll say it lives internationally. Um, and so we use the app WhatsApp and I had it open on my laptop and it made a sound. <laughs> well, can, I, can I interject or am I not allowed yet? You can listen. Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> Please, Mary Beth. You know what? Just, just fucking say just it. fucking say it. And we're going to kick you out again and then we're going to introduce you again. I just want to say that Sam wasn't, he didn't hear the sound just as I didn't hear the sound. I want to reiterate that it was the worried look on your face. That was what he was reacting to. And I reacted as well. I didn't say anything in the moment because I hadn't been introduced yet. But I just want to clear that up between the hosts that it actually wasn't had nothing to do with sound on your computer. Okay. Well, so, George, I, I do feel a little bit denied. My basic reality was denied because I tried to say, no, it's not the sound. It's the worried look on your face. And you said, oh, so you heard the sound. And I was like, no, it's I'm t- telling you it was a look on your face of concern. And you're like, you're you're confused because it's a what's up. WhatsApp sound instead of a text sound. And I was like, it's literally your face reading a text, being concerned. And you refused to believe me until our dear, dear guest came in and stood up for me. Well, first of all, I believe women. (laughs) And second of all, I just want to say that the the sound was relevant in that the reason I looked concerned, if I'd gotten a text, there wouldn't have been a sound attached to it. So I would have just seen it, moved on, fine. But because I heard the sound, I said, oh my God. WhatsApp is open in my computer, and if I don't do something about this ASAP, then it will continue to make sounds. So the sound itself was the reason for the concern, not the content of the message. Yeah, no, the content of the message was literally that someone I am aware of is being vetted for a job, and he deserves it, love to see it. So it was not about the text. I was not concerned about I was not concerned about the content. I was uh concerned about the sound. Any uh, other questions? No. Um I I'm totally fine. That's a reasonable uh feeling. I, I just, you know, I think podcasting is it's so important that we listen to each other and we, mm. you know, respond to what the other is saying and you know, we sort of accept each other's realities and you know, I would um just really ask of you in the future to uh, respond to what I'm telling you. I, you are making so little sense. <laughs> I think, I think we are so shaken up from the technical difficulties yeah. that this uh, has the potential to be emotionally unhinged. I, I mean, can we even get through it? I'm, I, on it. First of all, the sound is back, but I'm not going to address it because I just hope that it leaves. And second of all, I am on the verge of something, and I don't quite know what it is. I would love to uh, try to describe that feeling. Do you, I I mean, do you ever, I guess this is kind of how a lot of people have been feeling in these weird times. We are simultaneously on the verge, but also the thing we're on the verge of is never coming. 
Can yeah. you relate? Yeah, I can relate. Where it's I guess like, it's a form of edging. Oh, not this again. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, uh, I forget where we landed on it. Um, I forget. But yeah, it doesn't I, matter. We don't have time. We don't. So uh, how this, are you? I'm fine. I'm what do okay, you mean? good. Well, I'm fine too. Jesus Christ. Should we introduce our guest? <laughs> oh my God. I actually don't know if we should. I don't know if I want to bring a guest into this toxic environment. Okay. We have to very quickly in 30 seconds do therapy so we can get over this. Okay. How do you feel? I feel good. I feel like I accept what just happened. I think that there was a lot of technical difficulties. and But I actually do think the content of that episode was funny and juicy. And dare I say, good, capital G, podcasting, capital P. How do you feel? I feel fine. I feel very hot. The sun is burning my skin off. <laughs> um, and I once again, I'm not allowed to turn on my AC. We, uh, I, I feel like there was a lot of me going back and forth between texting and emailing and sending Zoom links and making sure our next guest who we're about to introduce was not pissed at me because we kept making her wait longer. And I did feel like so much, I, I felt like I was carrying so much on my back. Well, I'm sorry that you had to text all those Zoom links. Um, and I appreciate you, you know, teching it up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, do you okay one more question before we bring okay. in our guest and this I think will bring us back down to earth is this a good podcast is sort of complaining about the previous episode good well it's good in that we're talking <laughs> yes yes the only podcast that is good because it is yeah well, I think it's time to bring in our guest. Well, I mean, it's now or never, baby. P- please give it up. Open your Open heart. Your holes <laughs> for, for Mary Beth, Beth Barone. Barone. Hi. Hey, Mary Beth. <laughs> hey, how are so you? Mary Beth, what the fuck is up? <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm coming into a bit of a... I don't want to – like there's tension that you could cut yeah. with a knife. But the thing that I think is beautiful about it is that it's not aimed at each other and more importantly, it's not aimed at me. So I feel safe coming into this because it's not the first time, you know, what kind of becoming a third in a dynamic where it, it's it's not really about me. And I know that – I know that because you guys really scraped the bottom of the barrel with guests before you invited me on. <laughs> and I think it's important to note that this podcast has been going on for months and this is my kind of first time making an appearance. Um, no, nothing – no shade, as they no. say. But I just did want to kind of put that out there that I, I see you, I hear you, um, and I'm excited to dive in. To Studio yeah. Well, it is interesting. You know, you are probably one of the people I am in communication with the most. I would say we text almost daily. In fact, we just finished finished working together on a job where we were the only. Oh, we're not done, honey. We're not. We're done. not done. That's right. Yeah. Oh, the job goes on. I mean, I don't know. I put in my two weeks. I'm leaving for Greece. <laughs> but um, we did uh, just finish working on a job where we we were two people in a three-person team for something. We work very closely together. Um, And yet it is true that despite that fact, despite the fact that I would say you are objectively one of my best friends in comedy and in life, I never even thought to ask you to be on this podcast until um, August. And we started releasing episodes in March. And, you know, I was hoping 
I was hoping you would because I have been saying no to podcasts. I said I'm not going to do another one until I do Stradio Lab, and that's it. And that's final. I didn't tell you that, but I've been telling. I've been writing a lot of emails to that effect because you know the girlies. They come out and they say, "We please do our podcast. We talk about Dragon's ass. We talk about fuckboys. Talk about relationships and dating." I say, unfortunately, I'm uh, right now. I'm, I'm not participating in podcasts until I get to be a guest on my friend George and my friend Sam's podcast, mm-hmm. um, Stradio Lab. So go subscribe, write a review, whatever it is just kind of plugging your guys' creative hard work as well. Um, And in that way, you know, I think I've been a better friend than you, but um, that's not really what the podcast is about, is it? No. No. I I do think that's an interesting perspective because, I mean, you have been getting paid for that. Uh, To be your friend. No, to promote our podcast. Yeah, okay, sure, but I wasn't going to bring that up. I wasn't going to bring that up. Well, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, if if you're going to be accusing me of things, it should be noted that the reason you couldn't do it before was because we can't have you had me a on paid retainer. employee. We can't have a paid employee of the podcast on as a guest. I mean, that would be wildly unethical. That's like, you know, if I worked at uh, GQ and then did an issue of the sexiest, hottest, most disgustingly handsome men, and it was the editor-in-chief of the magazine. I, you know what? And I completely agree. It's And, and it is actually illegal to pay podcast guests, and that's why no one does it. Yeah, well, podcasting so, is illegal more broadly. That's something no one's talking about. No. Well, because you can't talk about it. That's so also glad. illegal. Can't talk about it, especially can't talk about it on a podcast, honey. Well, that's yeah, that's called, the thing. Well, like, that's it's, called double jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what Double Jeopardy is, is when you talk about how podcasting is illegal on a podcast. And yet here we are. Yeah. And that's why Ashley Judd, you don't see her anymore. Oh, honey. No, you don't. You know, I can see how you would be so upset with um, George. I just feel like the sweet spot for getting on a podcast is, ooh, six months in, you know, there's a little fan base, but, you know, they're not tired of you yet. It's it's actually, you know, sort of the peak of a podcast. And so what we're doing is actually a huge, huge help to you. And we have been planning it all along. And you've been paying me for six months, which has been nice. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be sending you guys. Will be sending me a W two or ten ninety nine. Ten ninety nine. Who's doing the financials? It's clear that George is doing the tech, but who's doing the financials? I, I do the tech, and then I do the kind of uh, I'll I'll do like retreats, spirituality, and things like that. Uh, yeah, of course, ayahuasca. And then Sam and is what an accountant. You. Yeah, okay. I, do, I do the finances and I make the meals. Sam has a background in Wall Street and culinary school. <laughs> A background in Wall Street, interesting. Grew up with a lot of people come from coming from a similar yeah. background. Well, there are very different. There's a, there's various different backgrounds one can have. It's Wall Street, culinary, culinary school, school um, um, retreat, retreats, cooking, and well, cooking. Yes, yeah, separate from culinary school for <laughs> sure. Um, and then the last one is, um, you know. Uh, but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about it. We can't. We can't. The last one's secret. It's not really for us to say as like a Greek gay man, a white gay man, and a, a white woman. The last background you can come from, it's not really for us to say. No. So. That's so true. The last background is this, is the, and it's the most important one. And it, it, Yeah. So I hope that you'll dedicate at least one episode, maybe even a segment to it in the future, but <laughs> I won't be involved if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that does make sense, actually. Okay, great. Oh, what's your background, Mary Beth? All that to say, I'm happy Hmm. to be here. My background is, uh, uh, well, okay. 
I hate to say I color outside the lines, but I kind of have since I was a kid. And my my background is uh, I'm baby. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you say you color outside the lines. You do these um, works of art. And they are really uh, quite terrible. Yeah, I'm actually, there's one right behind me. Oh, oh uh, well, not beautiful per se. But no, bad, no, if, if anything, ugly. Yeah, ugly. Yeah, not not good. So. Well, that's so nice. Do you think, you know, and in fact, for what you do for other people, you know, it could be seen as a commentary on like the art world norms. Like, you know, it's like how people will have a, a, a painting, but then the canvas is slashed, you know, yeah. and then it's making some kind of commentary with you. It's interesting because it really is, is saying nothing. I mean, it really is just kind of um, bad, bad. And in that, though, it says volumes. So. Right. That's so true. I love how this, the norm is that art is good. And so you're sort of subverting that by being bad. Yeah. And I'm all about being <laughs> subversive. So I think that that's, that's kind of what I'm known for, I would say, in that's, the community. That's subverting, cool. That's very Lower East Side, Because guess what? Can I tell yeah. you something? Of course. Making good art, where's the risk in that? No, nowhere. No. Making art that you know is bad. And this is something straight white men have been doing for years. <gasps> Okay, politics. Ultimately grave. So (laughs) if anyone has any kind of negative comments or thoughts or feelings about my art, you know, you can just shove it. Yeah. Well, you actually do something interesting, which is that you make physical art like paintings, drawings, but then you add a comment section, a physical comment section where people um, in in museums uh, are able to to write on the wall. You know, I hate this. Yeah. And they do. They do write that. And uh, to them, I say, well, what have you made? Hold the right. mirror and of they, society. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. And often some sometimes, you know, those people um, actually have made, you know, it's a lot of prominent it's a artists. Accomplished <laughs> artists, sure. But yeah. like, you know, I still think that sometimes you need to just hold the mirror up to society. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You've been, you've been you've been you show up. You show up to places and you bring a mirror. And then the whole point is that you're holding a mirror up. And then, of course the feedback has been that is so literal and so stupid like you know like this feels so elementary like uh, my five-year-old could have thought of this yeah but again i think like um like who are you to judge Mm, right well it is a lot of because there's too much there's too much symbolism i think nowadays sometimes you just need to say this is what i like you know i said hold a mirror up to society i wasn't being uh metaphoric Oh, or yeah, you're against metaphor. Yeah, I, I, I speak in, uh, I speak literally or not at all. Huh? Oh, wow. That's why I'm, always, that's why I'm constantly saying literally. Yeah, oh. and you hate whenever someone uses a metaphor or a simile. I, I've seen you. You shut down. I'll you leave. can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that you mentioned that I think is so important is so much of being a great artist these days is just show up. You know, if yeah. you got you got to show up. That's 90% of art. <laughs> Here's what I'll say just to add to that. 50% is showing up, the other 50% is leaving. leaving. <laughs> and so you could you could say that I'm putting in 100%. Yeah, <laughs> you're showing up and you're going home. <laughs> because here's the thing, you always show up and you always leave. Show Show me who's show me who else is doing that. I'm not doing it like they're like the other girlies are doing. No, it. none of the other girls are doing that. None they the will girls. show up and stay, or they will never leave. Honey. Or no, yeah, they will no, show up and not stay, at all. or they will not show up at all. Which is different than leaving. Not showing up at all isn't leaving. Oh no, yeah. completely different. No, yeah. So, huh? 
Just something for the listeners to think oh, about. Oh, yeah. I mean, that already, if we stop now, that would be enough. That, yeah, that yeah. was actually really in- intelligent. Yeah. So what are some of the segments you guys do? Okay. Well, oh, that's a really segment. good question. Okay. Yeah. Also, we... I, if, if we want to continue to talk about showing up versus leaving, how that kind of all breaks out, I'm totally, I could talk about that for hours, really. Yeah. I mean, we were not ready to go into our first segment, but I guess, you know, suddenly because you're so good at art criticism and art history, you think you can control what we do with our own podcast. Did, but did, didn't I? I mean, well, I we're not doing the first segment right now, so I don't because know. Because I said, if you don't want to, we don't have to. I was giving, oh I was extending God. an olive branch. And that's entrapment. Uh, yeah, this is insane. Okay. Already uh, you've done ju- double jeopardy on us and entrapment on us. You know what I say to that? Take take me away. Lock me up. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. She's presenting her wrists as if to be is, handcuffed. Yes, listeners can't see this, but she's presenting her wrists. <laughs> Which is a, a cultural symbol of being handcuffed. I knew someone in college who um, was, this is actually terrible. This is not what I was very close to, but it's a story I heard who was driving on the wrong side of the street and like the police pulled her over. Obviously, she was like intoxicated. Or and was so she then, just being subversive? Right. It wasn't, it wasn't that obvious. I was like, maybe she's punk. Right, right. So then she gets out of the car and literally presents her wrist and just goes, uh, just arrest me. Okay, queen. Legend. <laughs> I love that. Turning yourself in is is punk rock. <laughs> That's true. Turning yourself in is very, I mean, talk about literal. I and mean, that woman, want to feel old? That woman is Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the amount of, I think it's so mature. It's so like, you know yourself. And that's yeah. so important. Self-aware queen. Self-aware queen. You know, she's not saying, I didn't do it. Or like, am I drunk? She's saying, get over it. Let's not do the song and she dance. Said, she said, let's cut the shit. Let's, let's get straight down to brass tacks. Yes. She said, I'm going to be a lawyer someday. And I don't have time for us to fuck around here. I'm in right. college. And I'm friends with a friend of George's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> Made it into the police report. <laughs> I mean, it started a trend of people turning themselves in. OJ. It was, OJ. yeah, it was a movement. And then people would go and they would say, arrest me. And then the police would be like, listen, like you didn't do anything. Like we can't just arrest anyone. I mean, I, you know, yeah. Anyway, um, um, I guess we can do our first segment though. Yeah. So Mary Beth in our first segment, it's called straight shooters. And this is where we, (laughs) (laughs) and this is where we, uh, uh, kind of gauge your, relationship to and complicity in what's known as straight culture through a series of rapid fire questions. Now, of course, you've listened before, so you know that the one rule is that you can't ask any follow up questions or any clarification on how the game works. And if you do, we will yell at you. Okay. So Mary Beth. Oh, you know what? I'm now realizing one of mine is incomplete, so we'll have to think of it on the spot. Flat Stanley or Fat Albert? Flat Stanley. Okay, Mary Beth. I'm also thinking of them on the spot. Um, slash, uh, 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 searching rapidly. No, no, no. I do. Um, Mary Beth. Um, November or Manuary? November. You're so gay by Katy Perry, or Wish You Were Gay by Billie Eilish. Thank you for saying that. You're so gay by Katy Perry. Okay. Um, the floor is lava, or the floor is a gorgeous hardwood. The floor is a gorgeous hardwood. Roy G. Biv or Roy Cohn? Roy G. Biv. 
George Severus, I shit you not. I was about to do Roy G. Bibb or Roy Orbison. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm absolutely serious. Well, this I'd is- have to say again, Roy G. Bibb. Okay, Roy G. Bibb or Roy Lichtenstein? Lichtenstein. I'm out of Roy's, but definitely respect. Um, okay, Mary Roy Beth. Roy G. Bibb or Logan Roy, <laughs> just for the future. Yeah, which one? Logan yeah, which Roy. one? Okay. okay, Roy G. Bibb or Shiv Roy? Shiv Roy. <laughs> you hate colors. Homophobic? Homophobic. Um, no, Mary I Beth. just hate the pride flag. She hates she hates Chromatica. She's a Joanne ah, Queen. She's a Joanne Queen. Don't uh, get Mar- me don't get me started. Mary Beth, um Ferraris, Lamborghinis, or Rigatonis? Ooh, Lamborghinis. Mary Beth, George Severus or Sam Taggart? Oh uh Chivroy. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. That's good. The, I'm not it was gonna, a cop out at the end. I, yeah, well here here's the thing. Don't make me choose. No, it was a trap for sure. Yeah, right. Well, that is the premise of the segment, but sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just off being subversive again. Okay, Uh-oh. so we're going to rate you on a scale of 1 to 1,000 doves. And I'm getting very clearly in my head that that was a clean 500. Wow, 500 doves. Pretty I good. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's really fair. Well... Great. Well, great. Um, Did you want me to ask questions about the rating Here's system? the thing with Roy G. Biv. Here's the thing about it. And this is something I really struggle with. You know, everything else is very basic. Blue, red. And then instead of saying purple, you say violet? It doesn't add up to me. I think there was, a, there was a gay man involved in that decision. And I don't mean any offense by that. But I think we could have probably stuck with purple. And then there was probably like a gay scientist in the back who was exactly. like, can I contribute something? Exactly. Violet. Well, what if I was like, hey, I'm offended by that? What if I was like really pissed? And <laughs> I would say, let's unpack that. Yeah, but we don't have time to unpack it. I do think, though, that you're right in that, you know, writers' rooms in science are very um, straight male heavy. Then they're always science pi- they're is, always pitching as well. Yeah, science is written by writers' rooms, you know, old, old boys' club, whatever. The Roy G. Biv room, all male, but one of them was gay. Absolutely. That's why, pink, and- that's why pink isn't in the rainbow. Exactly. Because wow. there's no girls there. No girls. No girls. You know, I do like Roy G. Biv better than Roy G. Bip, though. I think Roy G. Bip is so much funnier and cooler. <laughs> I, and like, I'd have to agree with George. So in that way, I do. Cho- I choose George. Oh, my God. Oh. She's still answering the question. Damn. Well, like choosing my- George, but via the avenue of Roy G. Biv, which was such a prominent figure in the rest of the questions. Roy G. Bip to me is, is it's Charlie XCX. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, yes that's the name of her next album and she is making another one well, i mean good. it would be iconic if her album was called roy g bip and the concept was just like <laughs> it's purple instead of violet i mean that actually is really funny if she did that that would be genius if she's you know, listening just... charlie if you're listening that's free for you yeah we won't charge we will charge we for will the next album name exactly yeah. Isn't it ironic that even though the V was, you know, the contribution of the one gay man in the writer's room, Roy G. Bip is so much gayer. gayer. And I think it's because the, that gay, and I can say that, uh, <laughs> that gay had no foresight. Yeah, no, but I, he did have foreskin. I would also yes, say... Because he was from Europe. I would say it's highly possible for that gay in that room to be, you know, a little bit self-conscious of being the only gay scientist. So I bet he was like, okay, how can I like insert, like let people know I'm gay, Violet, but not let them know I'm too gay and not have it end in Roy G. Bip. 
Exactly. You know? So it's kind of internalized homophobia to end it in violet. It is 100% internalized homophobia. <laughs> and it's like in his in his quest to fit in with the boys, like be one of the guys, he ended up making one of the worst mistakes in scientific history. I'd have to agree. I think Nair has a bigger mistake been made than mm-hmm. the Roy G. Bib versus Roy G. Bib kind of conversation. <laughs> Haven't yeah. heard about that. You, you you won't hear about that. You won't learn about that in school, but you're going to learn about it here. You know what was, and here's just speaking of colors, the first uh, majority gay writers room was the people who came up with the primary colors instead of red, white, or sorry, red, blue, and yellow. The people that thought of cyan, magenta, and yellow. Is that real? Like that the light punch up. Huh? They, they were doing a punch up on the original. They were. Yeah. They said this yeah. is, it was like a re, you know, it was like one of those remakes where, um, you know, the, 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 the it's like, um, you know, Riverdale versus the Archie comics. Yeah. I yeah. think they said, they said, as Jennifer Lawrence once said, mm-hmm. gay rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely representation and it's powerful and it saves a lot of kids' lives. It, God, I mean, but now we do have an overpopulation problem. Well, not, not for long. <laughs> Why? No. Oh, because of everything. you know i here's what i think i think gay comedy specifically we just we just gotta hold like cuts every year like i think we just need to have cuts honey right i i'm the number one proponent of this movement but not just for gays i think we need to have cuts across the board okay cuts 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 across the board I think that's genius. I think it's time, you know. Who gets to decide, though? Yeah. I mean, the head of CAA. Oh, well, of course. I think. I mean, if we're keeping it fair. Right. Well, cool. Um, well, now that that's figured out. Yeah. I do. You Can you imagine, though, being one of the people who's cut? You know, I can't. Yeah, you I go don't on want... to live a full and happy life. It's true. <laughs> God, I wish I was cut. You know, I've dealt with loss in this industry, you know, countless times. I can deal with getting cut one year. I'm going to be that girl in America's Next Top Model who was like, this is not for me. And then she left. (laughs) She was like, no, it's just not. It's just not for me. And Tyra's like, well, don't you think in any job, she just just walks out. (laughs) Can I just say something? She is the number one icon of showing up and then leaving. That's true. (laughs) She started it. She originated the language. No one is doing it like her. Nobody is. Nobody has. It's everyone else makes such a production. It's like an entry. You know, it's like no. You have to keep it clean. Show up. Leave. Leave. Get out. Unbelievable. I mean, again, to know yourself, to to have that self awareness. It's sort of the arrest me. Like just like I don't want it. Like I love that. I wish. I wish I could do that. Where is she now? I hope she's well. She's probably a CEO of CAA. <laughs> She's in charge of the cuts. <laughs> and it doesn't, once you leave, once you leave, it's over. Yeah, you can't come back the next year. No. No. Oh, you can't? Damn, I was going to audition again. No. For what? To be in. This isn't oh, Harold yeah. Knight, honey. <laughs> this is not Harold Knight at the UCB. To be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in in the world of New York stand-up comedy, you're, you're either, either in, in or you're, or you're out. out. 
George, remember when I texted you uh, a Vita scene and I kind of took creative liberties with the spelling? <laughs> I wish I remembered what the spelling was. The two things we have spelled in an insane way are our feeder zane and ayahuasca. <laughs> you know, you're allowed to not know how to spell whatever you want. I'd have to <laughs> okay. That's empowerment. <laughs> you know what I can never spell? Jemapel. I can never oh spell Jemapel. And I'm always Googling. Truly, I've Googled about seven times in the last two years. How do you spell Jemapel? Send a voice note, honey. <laughs> I think, don't put that pressure on yourself. I think it's so funny to write Jemapel, but I still don't know how to spell it. <laughs> and that's your right, honestly. And autocorrect is not helping. I mean, the the amount of times you have looked it up and then written it down, it does not. Autocorrect remember. sees what it wants to see. Autocorrect like pretends like I'm not even here. Like it like pretends like I don't even exist. It it's crazy the stuff. It's like you know what I want. Why why don't you make some? Why are you choices? making this difficult? Right. Hmm. Questions we'll never have answers to. Well. Well, um, should we? Mary Beth, you're introduce our topic or something. Yeah. Now the other thing that happened. Oh, actually, no, I'm not going to say this. I was going to mention our previous episode again, but that's we've already saged We're it. We're looking toward the future. We're looking we towards really the future. Are. We really, really are. And, I mean, we're and, not. We're still talking about it, but yeah, no, we are. <laughs> Just briefly. Um, Mary Beth, your topic is the television series The Sopranos. Correct. Tell us about that. I. Okay, so many a straight man has tried to coax me into watching The Sopranos, claiming it's the best show ever, claiming it's the greatest show that's that's graced our screens, claiming it's some of the best performances of all time. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Gizmo straight. <laughs> Gizmo straight, and he's just agreeing uh, fervently. Well, <clears throat> I just think that a show that has men that look like that who can sing, I don't even understand how it works if you have all Sopranos in the group. First of all, <laughs> second of all, what's the big deal? Right. First of yeah, all, yeah, like they have high voices. It's not a big deal. No, uh, it's you, not do you compelling. think it's homophobic that like it's kind of making fun of them for having high voices? Not only do I think it's homophobic that's making fun of them for having high voices, I think it's homophobic that, I, from what I understand, there's no gay actors in the whole thing. No, no. Yeah, no, it's no. it's crazy. They went and found straight men who are sopranos. Where'd they find well, them? I don't. I, I, yeah, I'm I not buying the, it. I find the plot to be so compelling because you know it's this group of sopranos and they're like all this one style of singer and like they still make it to regionals despite all the odds. Well, that's when a spoiler. Not that I'm going to watch it, but yeah. I well, no, it's so, known so that they powerful. make they they make it to regionals every season finale except the final one when you know they don't. Sorry, spoiler, but that's how it ends. Spoiler, yeah. I also think in the way that, and from what I understand, because I've never seen it, once again, never watched even a single minute of it, but from from what I've heard, they kill Tony in the end, and then that actor died, and that just felt like a little on Liter the nose to me. Yeah, yeah, and, and you like literal. As literal as I am, hmm. it just felt like he went for cheap laughs. Right, yeah. he shouldn't have died. I think that was a weird decision. When he, I think it's so messed up when people choose to die. It's like just stay, oh, please. It's I like, get why in some respects, but if your character on a show that you're most famous for has just died, and you've just done a movie with Julia Louis Dreyfus 
I don't even know that if it had come out yet. Feels like, you know, you could have been there for the press tour. Just because you've had your kind of career-defining moment, Julia Louis-Dreyfus famously hasn't. So, you know, she's never been in a hit TV show, and she could have probably really used... (laughs) Well, okay. She probably could have used... That's a a very controversial statement. She's never been in a single... Let alone two. (laughs) She's definitely never been in a single hit TV show. So I just think she maybe could have used that movie to kind of propel. See, you know, it's, it's interesting because... I was so on board. I, it, it's one of those things I think is happening where you are talking to someone and they and they make increasingly unhinged claims and you and you are playing a lie and you're saying, maybe this will start making sense. And then you realize, no, this person's batshit insane. You're talking about <laughs> Sam. Um, I don't think that's where he was going, actually. George, am I talking about Sam? Here's what I will say. Here is what I will say. I uh-huh. think, you know, Mary Beth, I think what you're saying is that you think James Gandolfini should come back to life because it was rude for him to die uh, before Julia Louis-Dreyfus had her moment. Hmm. And I think we want the same thing, but for different reasons. I have made it very clear in my work that I also think James Gandolfini should rise from the grave, but only for the sole purpose of having sex with me. I need this man to be reborn as his current age and um, have sex with me. current age. Okay, sure. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. I, there is a inconsistency here if we are so into the idea of showing up and then leaving isn't dying the ultimate leaving why are we against that but i guess it's a matter of knowing the right time i agree and i think it wasn't the right time yeah so living is showing up but thank you for is always so angry uh at people for um passing away I've always, she never thinks it's the right time. She well, always comments just, on obituaries and says, boo. <laughs> Bad timing. Say, wow. Okay. Um, it just feels selfish to me. And yeah. I think, you know, if you have more to do and more to say, kind of robbing the world of that is inherently, um, yeah, just it's not something I support. And I think that if he's, you know, if he were alive today, I would tell him that as well. Yeah. Guys, what's your favorite I know we all haven't seen the show, but you know we all listen to the Sopranos the cast recording soundtrack. Yeah. What's your favorite mashup from the Sopranos cast recording soundtrack? Okay, I love when they did "Let's Have a Kiki." <laughs> yes, when when Tony like Tony's like big moment in that. <laughs> uh huh. See for me, and I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like I'm copying, but for me, it was when they did um, "Kiki." Do you love me? Are you riding? Oh, oh. interesting. Yeah, they kind I of did. did a soprano version of that. I thought yeah. Polly Walnut's voice was really cool in that one. As I well- think when Michael Imperioli did uh, <laughs> Valerie, I I I thought that was so. And you know, he was listen. He wasn't the best singer. No. But that but he said he said I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to sing the shit out of Valerie. And he did it. Sam, how about you? Um I happen to remember, you know, I've always been sort of more alternative. Um I remember a rendition of 
uh, Bex, I'm a loser baby that, you know, just really spoke to me at that time in my life. And And they mashed it up with Radiohead's Creep. So it's I'm a loser. What is the Beck one? I'm a loser baby. I'm a loser baby. And then it's I'm a a creep. creep, I'm I'm a a loser. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. What the hell am I doing here? Exactly. And uh, I think that gave kind of uh, Jamie Lynn Siegler, who yeah. you may know from HBO's Entourage, she dated Turtle in one season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, she hadn't really had her time to shine yet. And no. even though she technically, I don't think her vocal range fell into soprano. They That's gave, the thing. She was the bone. only tenor. They threw her a bone. <laughs> so it was all the everyone else was a soprano and then it was really controversial when they hired her especially because you know she started on that show as a teen and she has had been a tenor since she was a child yeah um they said let's take and, a and risk and people said she doesn't belong th- like this it, this it doesn't make any sense so in that way it was a little meta because she says i don't belong here and you think well you don't actually because right you're a right tenor. right and it was you know sung with a tenor like i don't belong here and you know imagine jamie lynn sigler doing that i i wouldn't i can't i i can't until i hear it you know what i yeah. mean yeah yeah. Well, that was I just played what you just heard. That was the cast recording. <laughs> okay. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um. Okay. Here's the question: Do you guys believe in the Sopranos curse? Oh. Oh, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> remind me. Sam, remind me. That's too much. <laughs> remind me. I mean, I can't. <laughs> Is this too bad? Is this bad? Here's the thing about The Sopranos. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that there's never been a show like it. And I'm saying that as someone who's never seen it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's- I mean, it made musicals acceptable <laughs> for straight men. It did what Glee was, but but Glee had to walk so that the Sopranos could run. If exactly, makes- even though, and don't you know, people are like writing in about the timing. D- don't worry about it. <laughs> people are always writing in and trying to fact check us. It's like, yeah, we, it's we like no, you research. can like you can first walk, then run. Like you can run, then walk. Like absolutely. But my question to you is, yeah, what's the curse? the curse the sopranos curse is that after the series was over all of them were relegated to supporting roles except for edie falco okay well she earned her stripes i'd say oh yeah i mean she is the one who got nurse jackie Oh, James Gandolfini was up for that. He was going to be Nurse Jackie, and they said, "They said sorry." Yeah, we... when they were casting that, it was they were only casting uh, <laughs> cast members of The Sopranos, so it was either going to be Nurse Jackie, like with Michael Imperioli, or, or James Gandolfini, or Jamie Lynn Sigler, like, and it and it was Edie, and that's why actually James had to do that movie with uh, unknown at the time actress Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, because who still hasn't ever been in the show. <laughs> I said never been in a hit show. 
she's mm-hmm. obviously had like you know under fives on a couple shows she's just never been like a main character on a hit show yeah she was on a forgotten show called seinfeld that people now i guess are watching because there's like bootleg dvds of it yeah but it's not on any streaming platforms and no one from that show really went on to do anything no no, no. yeah it's a really sad story. It's really and there's, sad. There's a Seinfeld curse, but we're not going to get into that. No, that's no, too. No, that's really too dark. sad. Well, interesting. God, you know, you you rules can be broken so easily. Yeah, I think that's what that's the message of the Sopranos because <laughs> that's they the said the because they said we can't have a singing group with all Sopranos, and they said, "Watch exactly. me." Thank you. Oh they my God! Said, now I feel like I'm staying watch again. Watch me. Uh. <laughs> And they all, but they managed to harmonize. <laughs> I actually have I have a gay friend watching it right now. Well, and, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, and go he, ahead. Yeah. He, says, he says, if I'm being real, it's yeah. incredibly boring. Okay, that's interesting because I have been... So this is a show that my uh, boyfriend and I have been meaning to start watching together. And I think it's like a good activity to do in a couple. No offense to all the single ladies out there listening, but or unfortunately, may, or you're not allowed. Be a guest. <laughs> no, I, I actually don't care about offending those. Um, but Honey, it's actually if you want to watch The Sopranos, you better get a man. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> people think you know. But there are people that are that think they're that they are not watching The Sopranos because they're empowered. And it's like, if you could, you would. yeah it's all these i'll say it spinsters yes that are out there not watching the soprano so many of these women they think oh you know i can have it all i can have a career it's like no all you want to do is watch the sopranos you stupid but but you can't because you don't have a damn man in your life like put a damn ring on that finger and watch the sopranos unbelievable it's it's so it's always inspiring when you go to a wedding and then you know people are doing the toast and the bride speaks and (laughs) through tears she goes i can finally watch the sopranos and it's what's more touching for me is when the dad gets up and yeah. he says, I never thought it would happen for my daughter, but now she finally gets to watch. It's the so HBO interesting. It's home box offices yes. show. The mm-hmm. Soprano. It's, and you know what? This I'll, I'll cup up to the fact that it is kind of gay privilege that I am allowed to watch it just through having a, a, a boyfriend. And we don't need to be legally married. But for straight people, you do need to be legally married before <laughs> you can log into. I mean, you can log into HBO, but when you click the Sopranos, they you have to present the marriage, the marriage certificate. License, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it says if you click on it and you're single, it says, "Did you mean HBO's girls?" Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of prompted. You're redirected. It says 404, and and then you're. It says if this page takes more than 50 seconds to load, so you click the button, and then it, it's actually it's actually HBO's girls by Lena Dunham and Judd Apatow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for including Judd Apatow. Thank you. He well, often gets people, erased. Uh, yeah, and Jenny thing, Connor. And and Jenny Connor as well. And lest we forget Allison Williams, you know, uh, Jemima Kirk, and then the one that played. Yeah, well, at this point, Shoshana. we're just listing the cast. I was yes, but more... you know, they all had <laughs> a part in making the story come to life. That's I mean, true. I guess, but I think we were trying to keep it sort of in the executive producer realm. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought this was a free space to talk about creative projects. Mary Beth, do you think diversity matters more on screen or off screen? Oh my gosh. And uh, you can't have both, by the way. It's a binary. 
you know, then I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to say on screen because as we've seen with James Gandolfini, art imitates life. So I'll make that choice for the community (laughs) or sorry, life imitates art. So I'll make that choice for the community to say on screen. And then I think like a trickle down, it will happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, off screen. There you have it. Mary Beth Barone thinks all stories should be written by straight white men. No played by people of color. Yeah. Feels very almost exploitative. I yeah, thought you meant bad. when you said off screen, I thought you meant like in an office, like like in everyday life, like on the bus. Oh, oh. I don't think there are any jobs that are not on camera. <laughs> well, then we agree to disagree. Are there offices that are like not being filmed? I don't know that I've been to one, but I've heard about <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah. Um maybe if you're like a like a like a dentist. Right. No, they film those for TLC. Oh, that's right. Yeah, my American dentist mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and 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 the spinoff, Ninety Day Dentist Fiance. Yes. <laughs> God, that one is really pretty boring. It's extremely specific, and it's like I don't know that this needed to be made, but we're here. no, but no. Here, but, but then here we are. But, but listen, people are. are you know people. It's it's giving jobs to people, mostly straight white men, because you're in charge of the network. If I was in charge of the network, things would be a lot different. Okay. <laughs> How would you change TLC if you were in charge of it? Yeah, from the inside out. <laughs> and this uh, is about the Sopranos. Of, well, I was you, uh, obviously you beat me to it, but I was going to say, I just feel like if you're going to make a show about an Italian family, there's just richer stories to be mined within that. Like, you know, what I'm not seeing on TV, I'm not seeing like a gang crime drama mafia type story, which no, no, I no, feel no, like, you know, they're always singing. They're always singing. They're always on the stage. They're always being flamboyant. No offense. And I just think to co-opt a culture like that, I've never met an Italian like that. And I think it's no, just not no, reflective no. of the Italian-American experience in New York. Yeah. And so I just think if I were to go in and pitch Sopranos, like I just think, and and I was also the head of the network. Um, so you're pitching to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're pitching Sopranos to yourself for TLC. Yeah, I'm just saying it would look different. Okay. Yeah. yeah that Here's the thing, really and different. I've never, listen, I've never met an Italian-American, but... I, in my mind, you know, I've grown up seeing these images. Like, I've grown up and they're always singers. You know, it's like. It's like, the, it can't be real. It just cannot. It's not rooted in truth. It's not. I mean, not there's, I'm truth. sure, just like any community, there's diversity within the Italian American community. Like, not at all of them are singers. At least amongst the singers. At yeah, least I mean, there's more than sopranos. As, <laughs> at least there are. Yes, exactly. I mean, okay, fine. Make them all singers. Throw in an alto. Of course. I mean, throw in a, a baritone. A bass, a baritone. Yeah. Why not? But then you get into the question of like, is this tokenism to have just one? I mean, that's Jamie Lee Sigler dealt with this throughout the series being the only tenor. Yeah. I mean, these are important questions, you know? Yeah, no. And the answers are uh, actually not important. Yeah, it's, I think it's, and I've always said this, it's more important to ask the question, I think, than to get the answer. Yeah, sometimes getting answers can be actively harmful. I agree. You have to close your ears. It's like Ask Schro- the question and leave. It's like Schrodinger's cat, you know, like, exactly. it's we exactly didn't mean like that. to open the box. We don't want the no. answer. We just want to no. pose the question and say, my work is done. Exactly. Italian-American representation is just like Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's cat. Hey! Hey!
well. Oh my okay. god. Um wow. I have to say it feels like we've covered most of culture. Yeah, I think, you know, when I came on here, I thought, well, we'll uncover a few, we'll turn over a few stones. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get this deep. And I have to say, I'm happy. And honestly, I think the listeners will be as well. Yeah, I hope so. I I think they will be. Um... <sighs> and and <laughs> Sam, having said all that, enjoy what, finishing watching Sopranos. Yeah, Sam. I mean, now you know that at the end, they don't win regionals. regionals. And then James Gandolfini d- dies of sadness. <laughs> That's you know, the final. I did hear that he was actually like a huge diva on set. So it's actually probably good that uh, yeah. he well, passed. Listen, okay. I didn't want to get into this, but James Gandolfini in real life is not a soprano. He's doing soprano face. Are you fucking kidding me? James Gandolfini, when he speaks, literally sounds like kind of a, you know, what kind of the average, um, you know, when you think of like a man of his height, stature, background, like he sounds exactly like you would think he would sound. And then he, for his audition, he walked in and even even before he was like doing the audition part, he would speak in a soprano voice so they would think it was natural. And then he sure enough went through the entire process, did the entire show. There was even an expose about it, but no one cared. It wasn't at the time it wasn't considered controversial. I mean, people said, you know, it's it's voice blind casting like anyone can be a soprano. That's just not that's just uh, objectively untrue. It's, and I yeah. think that that sheds kind of a light on the show that's it's just a lot more problematic than people say and that was kind of my goal in coming on here was just talk about that and then now i'm learning things that i even i didn't know well it's a reckoning that's overdue and it's it's a weird conversation to have because as you said you don't want to kick people while they're down um and all of these in the ground (laughs) he's literally dead yeah um but you know i mean it was tough and uh how do you feel? Do you feel like a weight's been lifted? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, here's what I'll say. Then he, it was so interesting because then he did all these other films where he wasn't speaking in a soprano voice and people said, lauded him for being so good at doing the other voices. But in fact, that was his real voice. I mean, I'm. I, they couldn't just find a soprano. You know it's what I mean? It's tough. I'm so shocked, you know, it's really tough because he's kind of doing like when you put it like that, you see how he's a kind of a caricature of a soprano. He's doing like a stereotype. This is like when I found out that the the guy that isn't Jesse Tyler Ferguson in Modern Family is is straight. straight. Yeah, it's exactly like that. There are no differences. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just kind of upsetting. But it's tough because he is good in the role, both. Oh yeah, James and, and honey, the guy he can, that isn't he can hold a note. Ferguson. <laughs> so he maybe. can hit a note. Um, do you think that guy? I think the guy from Modern Family should change his name to forever to mm-hmm. the guy from Modern Family that isn't Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I think it would just be easier, actually. I agree because that's kind of that's his moniker anyway. 
Yeah, that's like, what I know him. That's as. his character's name. It should be his name. Yeah. God, Modern Family. Oh. Is that show still on? I think they're rebooting it with a different family. But is it still modern? No, it's well, postmodern. See, postmodern family. Postmodern family, and it's also going to oh. be a post comedy. So oh, it's great. kind of just like they're getting you know post on top of post on top of post. But it will be a show on ABC, and it's, yeah. and it's actually all the post office. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it, again, liter- literal. So in that way, I will be watching. Oh, yeah. Well, just like um, Meryl Streep's The Post, I will be watching. I will. Oh, oh. oh okay. But you know, Meryl Streep's The Post, that was about the post office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she, played, she played an envelope. She, she, <laughs> <laughs> and she an was, envelope that believed and had a dream. <laughs> she was praised for that performance, too, which I think she is She was, and it's powerful. like, anyone can play it. Sorry, no offense, but, like, I could play an envelope. It really was like, okay, you're just gobbling up literally whatever Meryl throws at you. Like, she's literally an envelope, and you're loving it. Like, get over it. Do you think she ever got over being passed for the main role, the James Gandolfini role in The Sopranos? <laughs> you know, I think that's something that she refuses to talk about in interviews, which makes me think she probably was pretty upset. Yeah. She she deserves to be a patriarch of a family if ever there were a deserving person, you know, for that role. So I think I my heart goes out to her. Heaven knows she needed the work, but here we are. My heart is always going out to Meryl <laughs> Streep. I have to say, this is controversial, but I feel like we should quit while we're ahead and do our final segment. I love that. Let's um, do it. That's incredible. Right? Yeah. I'm um, also very aware of certain time issues. Listen, don't do anything on my behalf, but if we're going to get into the final segment, just let me know because I'll buckle up. Okay. I'm ready for the final segment, I guess. I don't like have one. I think I do have one. Um, Mary Beth, I don't know if you What's know. What's up, listeners? Oh, I was going to explain what the final segment is. Do I have to or does she already know? I don't know. I think she knows. She says she doesn't know. I think that she knows. Knows. <laughs> knows. Mary Beth, the final segment is shout outs. You give a shout out to anything and you know, in the in the voice of sort of a a teen at at TRL in two thousand two, just shouting out your squad. Here's um, the thing with this segment is that it's very I mean, you like literal stuff. Yeah. I think the idea of radio shout outs being straight culture is very literal. It is one of the first things we thought of when we were conceptualizing this podcast. And as the rest of the podcast has grown in unexpected and avant-garde directions, this segment has stayed the same. And I have remained bad at it. You know, and sometimes George um, actively sabotages this segment in order to make me look bad. Uh, See last episode. Yeah, well, I make myself look bad in order to make Sam look bad. Because he well, knows he's trying to use it as evidence. He's trying to be like, see, I don't like it. Like, see, it doesn't work. And I'm like, it doesn't work because you're not trying. All right. right. Well, Sam, maybe you go first. I'll go second. George, go third. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see what you have ready, Sam. Oh, my freaking God. Um. Uh, okay. What's up, listeners? I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody at Jacob Reese Beach last weekend. Um, everyone I ever knew was there. And ooh, baby, did it feel bad and against the rules. I really don't think we were all supposed to be there at the same time on the same day. And yet we were. I didn't know what to do in that situation. And I just had to be there. It was fun. But I have post 
sex guilt, even though I didn't have sex, if that makes any sense. It really feels like I did something bad, but I swear to God, I'm trying to be good and I want to be good and I'm wearing a mask and I'm doing everything. And this is a confession? I don't know. The beach was too crowded. We really should not be going to a, such a crowded beach. And should I cut this and redo it? I don't know. XOXO, Sam. Woo! What's up, listeners? First of all, I just want to condemn everything my co-host Sam Taggart just said and say that I have never met him and don't know him. And uh, this podcast generally so far has been edited together by a producer that we don't work with in person. And so if you've enjoyed it, that's great. If not, you know, it's not my fault. And once again, I condemn everything Sam just said. I personally am pro-science. And second of all, I want to give a quick shout out to generational discourse, people saying things like boomers and Gen X and millennials. I think it is so deeply intelligent to analyze society that way. And every time people do that, I say, wow, you really made an incredible point there and definitely should get a PhD in sociology. I think more people that are adults who read books should make arguments about boomers and Gen X and millennials. It brings me so much joy that people get paid to write absolute bullshit about generations. And so thank you so much. And special shout out to the person who wrote a recent thing that really set me off. I'm not going to say your name because you follow me on Twitter. And that is on you. Quick shout out to Georgie uh, Georgie George um, for saying it is hack to uh, write about generations when, in fact, we have a podcast about what is, quote unquote, straight, as if that isn't the hackest thing in the world. Okay, listeners, Mary Beth here. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to Carson Daly. A lot of people don't remember this, but Carson Daly invented queer culture when he painted two of his nails black. And for that, we kind of owe you the world. Uh, I also want to say that your performance in Josie and the Pussycats was uh, fantastic. And along those lines, also shout out to Nicole from the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, I was singing. You understand what I was the one singing? I was in the middle because I was singing. Do you understand what she I'm saying? Oh, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I was in the middle because I was singing. Okay, have a great uh, great rest of your day to uh, Nicole and Carson. I'm going to I'm going to edit in the clip that Mary Beth is referencing at thank the end you. of the episode. Give people okay. the the the, 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 bib, the bibliography. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Mary Beth, thank you for doing the episode. That was incredible. Thank you for thank having you. me. Okay, bye. bye. People don't even know the story. They have no idea. I was in center because I was singing. I was the one singing. Oh man. Oh man, I hope I don't get in trouble for the stuff that I say. Because I never really talked about it, but I'll never forget I finished the album, PCD. And Ron and I brought the girls into the studio and we played it for them. And it was the first time they'd ever heard the music. Do you understand what I'm saying? We played the album for the Pussycat Dolls. It's the first time they'd ever heard the songs. 